up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the River Blast Podcast. I'm Noah Hiles. And I'm Alex Stumpf. And, um... We're not doing so great right now. No, we're not. I I, I, I was going to ask, is this... This has to be the low point of the season, right? I mean, if that Atlanta series wasn't, whenever they got swept in four games and really didn't even put up that much of a fight, that's like the one exception, I think, for like lower than right now. But this, they're well on their way to losing their fourth series out of the All-Star break. And they really haven't even put up that much of a fight in any of them. I mean, they've had some spectacular losses since we last recorded, which I think sealed the fate for this team. But, yeah, this this feels pretty low. I mean, I'm still dealing with, like, my FOMO, I guess, of covering the Pirates. Like, I still am tempted. I'm trying to, like, cut down on Pirates Twitter just because my new audience for where I work doesn't really give a shit about the Pirates. Um, but like, I, I'm, I'm really just starting not to care. I know I, the only reason I'm watching this team right now is for this podcast. Honestly, like today after Marte hit a home run and then, uh, I wasn't watching it then yet. I was like making dinner. And then like shortly after I turned the game on and once, uh, Goldschmidt hit his homer, I just said, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not watching this game. I know how this is ending. They're going to lose. They're going to lose a close game. Uh, I could tell, you could tell early on, like, after, like, the second or third inning, you're like, these bats are dead. Like, they, they might not get another run, and they didn't. Um, I just turned on last chance you. I, I don't know when, when they're, I mean, it's just gotten to the point where, kind of like last year in August, when they couldn't score runs, there was the biometrics gate, all that nonsense. We're experiencing that now. We're experiencing the death of the season. Except this year, there was no 11-game win streak or however many they won in a row. It's just, I mean, we got, we were two and a half games back from first place at the All-Star break. That was the peak. That was the peak of this year. So, it sucks. Being away from it makes it a little less suckier for me, but you're there. I wanted to ask you... What's it like in the press box during this? And more importantly, what's it like in the clubhouse? I imagine it's probably like a funeral. I mean, the, the clubhouse is pretty dead tonight. I mean, as you would expect, nobody's... I mean, even whenever they won not that long ago, it wasn't as lively as it had been in the past. It it just seems much more sobered. Like, they are... I don't want to say accepting their fate, because that would imply they are thrown in the towel, and even if there's only a 1% chance of the playoffs, you know, you still got to play for that 1% chance. But this, it looks different. Honestly, I think if you were to come back tomorrow and check out that press box, or that, that clubhouse, it would be much different. Much, much, much different. Not recognizable to the one you left. That's... And that was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, because when I left, I mean, the last game I was there, they lost. But it was almost like a moral victory that game. They were down 6-1 to one in the ninth inning. They tied the game. And uh, they were coming off of some comeback wins before that, you know, they, they, against the Detroit Tigers and everything. Spirits were still high. And they were fighting their way back in. And that's when the Cubs were struggling. 
and the Brewers were struggling. But right now, I mean, the Cardinals are red hot, the Cubs are red hot, and the Pirates. You, you looked around the National League, and when you looked at the division standings and you looked at the wild card standings, you said, you know, a couple of these teams are going to have to fall off. That's just how baseball works. And you looked at the division, and you hoped it wouldn't be the Pirates. You looked at the wild card standings. You thought, okay, maybe that team will, maybe that team will. And the other NL teams have as well. Like the Rockies have really cooled off. The Padres have cooled off. But the Pirates have had arguably the worst second half, probably not even an argument, really, out of any team that had a legit postseason shot coming out of the All-Star break. And you could say this team wasn't a legit play playoff contender, but to me, any team that's two and a half games out of first place, I don't care if you're in the last place. If you are two and a half games out of first place at the All-Star break, you have a shot to make the playoffs. A very good one. And they had that, and I don't even fault it to Neil not making a deal because it's early, but the team needed to hold up their end of the bargain, and they didn't this time. They simply didn't. They We talked about how they can just crap the bed at random times, they can just crap down their leg, and they, they I mean, they let out a, a really tough one. I mean, they picked a bad time to eat Indian food. <laughs> I'm not going to do these metaphors with you, by the way. This yeah, is... we're done with that? No, I mean, like, in general. Like, that's that's your path you're going down. Uh, yeah, I mean, and you know what, in kind of a bizarre way, maybe it's a good thing that this team won't, you know, win 10 games in a row and you have to buy because you look at a team like the Giants, who I don't think are that good a team at all, and they are destined for a long, long stretch of mediocrity in front of them, and they could maybe, you know, help out by keeping Bumgarner and Smith, but if they have a chance at the playoffs, they kind of have no other choice, you know, they got to they got to go for it. And maybe that makes the parts a little more appealing. A guy like Liriano, a guy like Lowes, a guy like Dickerson. Because not only is there one more buyer, there's also one less seller. When I look... The Pirates, overall, that, you know, they are actually collapsing. And they could act, they could go for it. Because last time I said, you know, if they're still winning, you don't have to trade these guys. I think, I've, I think we've crossed that line where it's like, okay, you've got to trade the guys who are going to be leaving. Unless you could somehow strike a deal with Dickerson on an extension, like right now, then that's about it. When I look at the Giants, uh, I feel like the guy in the in the straw hat and black uh, in, in um get out when uh, they when they take his picture and his nose starts to bleed, and like he just like comes to and is like, "I know what's happening to you. You need to run right now." Like, I'm watching the Giants right now, and I just see all these tradable assets on their team. I mean, look at their bullpen. The Giants could get so many decent prospects. For I mean, like Tony Watson. Teams would love to have him. Will Smith. You could get a King's Ransom for him. Madison Bumgarner. Jeff Samarja has been one of the best pitchers in baseball in the last two months. I mean, they could, they could get a King's Ransom for this team that's all playing way above their potential right now. I mean, their bullpen is lethal, and everyone's looking for relieving or relief pitchers. And I'm just watching this Giants team, and I'm just thinking, get out. Get out now. Run. Get out. The best the best power hitter on your team has 13 home runs. It's July 23rd. Get out. Run. You're not a playoff team. But then again, they're in San Francisco, so they're in a different situation. Like, they're a baseball market. Their fans are have an expectation to uphold. Plus, 
they're always one offseason away from becoming a contender. Their farm system sucks. I, I do think that they are a couple seasons away from being a legit contender, but you always have that possibility when you're in a big market like that. No, I, I view the Giants in a completely different light. Uh, between Evan Longoria, between uh, between Cueto and his injury history, Buster Posey is still a, a good catcher, but you know his best days are behind him. Yeah. I see all these huge contracts, and I see a dark and desolate future for for the San Francisco Giants, and they're the team of the decade. Go for it one more time. If you really do feel like you have it one more time, go for it. Because 2020 is going to be awful. And not only are they going to be awful, the Dodgers are going to be fantastic. The Padres have a juggernaut in the making in that division. Arizona, pesky. Uh, Colorado, two wild cards in a row. This is a very good division, and they are going to be the absolute bottom of it for years. Like We're talking three, five years just being the last. So, so go for it. Pirates are not in the same situation. You look at the team going into 2020. You still have under contract Reynolds and Marte in your bullpen or, or in your outfield. Uh, your starting rotation. I know there's some question marks at the moment, but a healthy Williams, a healthy Tyon could make a real difference. I think Mitch Keller will, will finally be up in the major leagues. Time to see what this kid's got. He is a top prospect after all. The infield, Cole Tucker and Cabrian Hayes will be ready. Newman Shoney could hit. Josh Bell. We're going to talk about him in a second, but still a very good year this year. There is a core for 2020. If we're if the Pirates are 46 and 54 on July 23rd, 2020, then then things are on fire. But 2019, no, not ready to push the panic button yet. They don't have to make a big, they don't have to force anything, and that's something that a lot of other teams don't have that luxury for. Giants have to force it. I feel like. Pirates don't. Talked about Josh Bell. Let's get into it, Alex. Um, I, I ruined him. I'm just going to go out and say it. I didn't talk to him throughout the entire first half of the season because I knew I was a Josh Bell jinx. I spoke to him three times last year. I think he was a collective like 0 for 30 in his, in his at-bats like after that. So uh, I just I, I may, I wanted to stay away from him this year. I did not want to. I saw he he got off to a hot start, and I said, "Noah, leave him alone. He's doing his thing." I asked him a couple questions in scrums, but I never did a one-on-one all-star game. Had to talk to him, and he's he's been garbage since the all-star game. Uh, but on a serious note, is this concerning, or is this just a little bit of regression to the mean here? I. I- Glad we can kill the home run derby curse or, you know, how it messes up your swing. No, it's just talk to Noah. It'll mess up your swing. Absolutely. Uh, that goes for everyone, not just baseball players. If you talk to me, odds are your life will get significantly worse. Look at Alex. <laughs> you beat me to the punch. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it was before the All-Star break, too. I mean, I know we remember, it, like, after that – Terrific May, June. We talked about this in the middle of June, I think, whenever, you know, he was starting to struggle. It's like, what's going on with Josh Bell? And then he got hot again immediately after, you know, we did that. And now he's in another one of these lulls. And for the better part of, like, a month and a half, he's been a replacement-level player. And that's what he basically was his first two years in the majors. And that's not good. That's not a good sign to see 
where it's like, all right, Josh Bell finally had two good months, but not a whole season. But not a whole season. And he'll probably, if he goes down this same path, he'll probably finish the year with three war. And if you look at, you know, the year to hold, it's like, okay, yeah, good season from Josh Bell, but that would be a humongous drop-off after what we saw last year. And it's no surprise that the offense has dropped off at the same time he has in the second half. Yeah, I mean, that's that's been their answer. I, I know they've got great production from Newman, from Reynolds, from Marte, from Moran, from a whole bunch of guys. But having, and I know the RBI is like an overrated stat. I, I feel, you know, kind of silly even bringing that up at this point. But having the RBI leader in the middle of your lineup is a benefit to a team. It's a guy who is a run creator, and that's what Josh Bell did. There were some games where it was literally just him creating runs. There were other times where he would spark a rally. There were other times where he would be, you know, the match on on a on a pile of gasoline. You know, like he would just light up this fire. Like he he was. I, I wouldn't even say he's a catalyst. He was just. He was their juggernaut. And he was the juggernaut. He was the he was the kickstart to an incredible offense. And you know you have him. Reynolds had a couple of bad games, and everyone else kind of follows suit. And you saw that. I don't like comparing McCutcheon to Bell because a they're just two different types of players, and b Bell's had one half of a good year. McCutcheon had like how many? Like five, six good years. In Pittsburgh, I don't know. Regardless, you saw that from the Pirates' offense. When Kutch was hot, the Pirates were an unreal team to beat offensively. But when he would slump, the entire offense suffered. And that's what we're seeing here with Josh Bell. When your best player slumps at a drastic rate, the whole team suffers around him. Right? Yeah. I mean, it really is as simple as that. If your cleanup hitter isn't hitting, that's it. I mean, there really isn't anything else to say. I mean, he's the big bat in the lineup. The offense is only as good as Josh Bell allows it to be. So another guy we'll talk about as we round up our big three topics. Uh, This guy's a little different. Um, Last year, he was the big bat in the lineup. But this year, he's been nothing pretty much because of an injury. He sustained last year in... It's really still affecting him now. It's Gregory Polanco. He's he's being pulled from his rehab starts. He's meeting with a, his doctor that performed the surgery on him. I'm I'm obviously you got to write off Gregory Polanco in 2019, but Alex, does this have the writing of like Gregory Polanco's never going to be the player that he was last year, like ever again? I mean, you have to be concerned. I mean, it's a very legitimate concern. And yeah, 2019 is a lost cause, whatever. If he could be actually 100% right for 2020, a healthy Gregory Polanco is the X factor for this Pirates outfield. Because at the times whenever he's been healthy, like at the the first four months of 2016, uh, for the last three, three or four months of 2018 before the injury, he was... He hit it at an all-star borderline MVP pace. And whenever he's hurt, and he's hurt often, it's he's a crutch. And a healthy Polanco, like if you had the choice, and this is a no-doubter, 
of him being out the rest of the year, but he'll be ready for 2020. It's not even a question. Of course you do that. I don't know if that will ever be 100% the case. We're going to find out, I think, tomorrow during the uh, talk with Tom Zick on what, you know, his update, if there is an update for Polanco. If there is one and it's bad, you have to start being uh, concerned because the shoulder not only affects him in the field, it affects his swing. And that swing is what got Greg to the majors. If he doesn't have it, then he's not a ball player. He's not a major leaguer. I mean, you talked, we, I can't tell you how much the place I used to work at, 93.7 The Fan, when the Pirates were coming up, we couldn't make these trades because we had to hold on to guys like Gregory Polanco and Jamison Tyone. And there's a chance that both of these guys might never become the player that A, people expected them to be, and B, be the player that they even showed signs of being in the major leagues because of injuries they sustained. That's something, you know, losing two guys that have that potential, that derails any type of franchise. Unless if you're the Yankees or the Dodgers who have unlimited resources and are able to develop talent and are able to go out and get free agents. I mean, losing guys like that, I, I just, it, and it makes you really curious about what their path is this offseason when you're talking about Polanco. Like, what do they do about that third outfield spot? Like you said. And if they trade Marte, which I don't think they will, but if they do trade Marte, then what's the plan with the outfield? Because you're not getting Dick. Are you getting Dickerson back? Or are you really just banking on Polanco, Martin, and Reynolds to be your three-man outfield? I, I just, I don't know what they would do if this guy isn't going to be ready for 2020. And to be honest, even if he is recovered from the shoulder injury in 2020, I don't. I have not seen one thing from Gregory Polanco in his major league career that would make me feel comfortable depending on him to play for 145 games in a major league season for this team. I know he's played close to that probably, I'm sure, at least once or twice in his career, but like I do not feel comfortable depending on this guy to be an everyday starter at the major league level because sooner or later in the span of a full season, he is going to go down and he's going to be on the IL and you're going to need a dependable fourth outfielder that can play right field for when that happens or your team is just going to be hung out to dry. Question. Don't look it up. I just did. Has Gregory Polanco ever played 145 games in a season? No. He has. When? 2015. Oh, yeah. When? that's. He didn't really get injured in 2015, did he? What was that? He didn't get injured in 2015, did he? He just kind of, like, he was just a young kid. Yeah, that, that was his first full season, right? Yeah, and he was streaky, but he was, you know, an uh, impact player that mm-hmm. year, too. It was probably his best year, like, whole sample size as a big leaguer. Uh, I think 2016 was probably his best year. Or last year. Last year was a good year. When- last year was good. He also was terrible on defense. 2015, Polanco could actually field. Mm-hmm. What a time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's a legitimate concern, and I, I wanted to bring this up the first time I talked. Uh, you were right this off season. Whenever I I was saying, you know, Polanco is going to be out. You know, what was it, eight to ten months? And you kept saying, make it ten. I'm like, well, if he's ready in eight, go for it. And he said he was ready in eight, and that ended up not being the case. He, I think he kind of rushed back, and that's 
That's a shame. That's a shame. You think at some point he would get the I my body needs this rest. I what good is coming from me getting there is as soon as possible. I know I hate saying the word selfish because it was truly from, you know, make the team better. But it could be interpreted as selfish. You know, I just want to get back as soon as possible, whether I'm ready or not. Because the Pirates have had outfield depth. It's not like they were, you know, clamoring, like, get, get Greg back. We need Greg back. I I don't think there's ever been a more obvious case of someone who's still hurt, too, when he returned. I mean, you watched him play, and it's just like, are we kidding with this guy? I mean, like, his arm was a joke. That alone should have been, like, no, no, you're not playing. Like, you can, if you were in the American League, I guess, yeah, you could use him as a DH. But, like, the fact that they felt comfortable putting that guy out in the field, unless of his arm, for some reason, maybe, like, the humidity in Florida made it look a little bit better, and he could throw the ball a little harder out from right field. But, like, I don't know what in the world they saw in right field. They clearly were just like, this guy can hit. And we'll figure out the fielding. He'll figure out the throwing as the strength returns throughout the season. And that's normally not how a body works. Really, when you wear it down, it doesn't get stronger. It needs some rest in between. And that's what I knew this was going to happen. I knew they were going to rush him back, and I knew we were going to waste this year with them. I'm glad you remembered to point that out because I kind of forgot about it. But I said this was going to happen. I said that this was going to be a wasted year on him if they rushed him back. They did. This, I mean, he clearly doesn't know how to take care of his body. And that's not a knock on Greg. It's just a freaking fact. He does not know how to take care of his body. Because if he did, he'd have more than one season with 145-plus games in the major leagues. He, he's also, one six, he's also what, 6'4"? And, and change, it feels like. I feel like that 6'4 is selling him short. There's a lot, uh, there's a lot of Gregory Polanco to get hurt. So. That doesn't. I. I don't. I mean, there's NBA guys who are six four. There's NFL guys who are six four that they don't get hurt. I think big guys, big tall guys, get hurt more often than like average type players. That's a take. I'm not gonna look it up. I. I mean, I. I, I don't. I'm not looking it up either. But like, that's just that's like something my dad would say. He'd be like, you know, like. It's kind of like big dogs, you know, like their, their, their joints aren't good and they just kind of die earlier. It's like, that's, I don't know where you got that information, that big people. I mean, he's not Shaq. Like he's six, four. That's like three, that's like three, four inches above like an average height. Like Derek Jeter was six, three. Did he have a history of horrible injuries? I think he had a pretty long career. At the end. And Shaq, and Shaq. At the end, yeah, no kidding. But I mean, he was diving into st- seats, and I mean, he had like, I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know, Alex. That you don't make a lot of bad takes. Like normally, I'm the one with pure ignorance on this podcast, but that one, that was a rough one on your end. Doubling down on that one, I admitted I was wrong with Polanco, so I'm going to double down on the big guys get hurt more often. Alex, stop. So any player, so. That's why all the pitchers are getting hurt. There you go. They're all over 6'3". <laughs> Correlation, not causation, but I'm definitely going to take that in my favor. Yeah, I, that's your next article. Why, why athlete, Why it's dangerous to be over 6'3 and a professional athlete, my, my column. No, I'm already working on something much, much stupider, stupider, and I'm going to wait for the year to end, but I think it's going to be like my off-season project. 
of like tall guys, how often do they get called a low strike called against them? Whenever they have the long pants versus whenever they have. The you pants. saw the Aaron Judge meme too. I saw the Aaron Judge meme. That got me thinking. Yeah. I, I I'm convinced. I have absolutely no data to back it up yet, but I am convinced that if you have high socks, you get a better strikes out of your tall dude. For those who don't know what we're talking about, there's this. It's not a meme. It's an actual photo. Judge got Judge struck out looking on a pitch that was like like shin high but his pants were his socks were up but he had we he had like his pants uh down around like the top of his shins so in his second at bat he pulled his pants up a little higher thus making it look like his knees were higher and uh lower shortening his strike zone which is a genius move i mean i love the gamesmanship i love aaron judge i i think he's a great player loves aaron judge yeah and that was top-tier galaxy brain thinking right there. Yeah, that's like that's like the Zach Galifianakis meme where he's like looking through all the equations. Like that's 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 analytics right there, 101. Get that guy a front office job after he's done playing. All right, Alex, let's just move on. No music. This is going to be a quick one. We'll just make this our fourth topic. We're going to play a game. It's called What What Do They Do? All right? I'm just going to name someone. You're going to say, what do the Pirates do with this person? Either at the deadline or at the end of the season. Ready? Okay. Clint Hurdle, what do they do with him? They keep him. He's been here too long to change paths, I think. I don't see how... I don't see the Pirates who were built for this window of contention from like 2019 to 2021 to just go get rid of him, fire him from the last two years of his deal right now. I don't think it really makes sense. I don't know if he's exactly the best fit anymore, but I don't see them change. I don't think this team will make the playoffs with Clint Hurdle ever again. I think Clint Hurdle's last playoff game was in 2015 when Kyle Schwarber hit a ball that still hasn't landed yet. Um, But I agree. I mean, this is is it. Like, they're clearly, like, 2021 – is like judgment day. That's that's when the GM's contract is up, that's when your manager's contract is up, and that's when a lot of these guys are getting into the late stages of arbitration. Some of them are going to become un- unrestricted free agents. That's when you either have something to build upon or you have something you need to just completely burn to the ground and walk away and get a whole... You don't just ask for a new set of cards. You go to a new table. That's essentially what you're going to do in 2021. And right now, it's looking like it's going to be that over the build upon like the success. I could be wrong. Twenty twenty could be great, but I would like for them to give Clint his walking papers, just because I think that someone else could do a better job than him. That's not going to happen, though. They're they're riding with this group, the prospects, the GM, the manager, all of it. They're all in with this group. That's why they made the four year investment. That's what's going to happen. Which sucks, kind of. Ray Searage, what do you do? I would personally move on. I don't know if the Pirates will, though. I I think Ray's had his time in the sun. I think Message is here. He was given that assistant job for a reason. I would rather it be an outside hire. I think someone more analytically driven in the same way that Eckstein and, and Cruz were. I think those were two 
really good hires. I would like to see them trying to make a similar hire for the pitching side, especially since this is what this team is supposed to be, a pitching team. I, I don't know what the future holds for Steve. He's the one that it would honestly not surprise me at all if he is back with the Pirates in 2020 or if he's gone. I, he's I, This is about as 50-50 as I think. And I, that's not because I have like an ear to you know what's going on. It's just looking at you know his what he's done with the Pirates. Uh, I just don't get why they would keep him. I mean, aside from the pitching staff being garbage this year, there's just been, like, I feel like there's just been more internal confusion this year. Like, the uh, the Archer nonsense, like, that stuff didn't happen back in the day. The Trevor, I mean, Trevor Williams saying that he didn't get, I just feel like there's just, like, coming at me on Twitter saying he didn't get hurt swinging. Like, there's just been this conflict, I just feel like. Everyone on the pitching staff is kind of uneasy right now. And they should be because they're not performing well and they're all hurt. I just, yeah, I feel like Ray's message, like, 2012 from 2016, that man preached the gospel, and people were believing it, and for good reason, because he basically said, follow me, I'm going to make you rich, probably not here, but, like, you're going to get another deal after you leave here, it happened with Burnett, it happened with Edison Volquez, it happened with Jay Happ, it happened with all those guys, you know, it's... I'm going to save your career. You're going to be able to make more money later in your 30s because of me. And he was right, and it got them to the playoffs. After 2016, man, the the message, it just stopped working, and people stopped buying in. He had his rare successes. Like Trevor Williams, I would still consider a race series success. I think Dario Agrizal is a big race series prototype pitcher. You know, pitch to contact, be efficient, low pitch count. But overall, the game's passed this guy up. And even if it hasn't, I think he's lost the locker room to steal a you know a phrase from the hockey world. Uh, and it's just time to do it. And I think what you talked about with the hitting coaches, the hiring of Cruz and Eckstein proved the Pirates aren't bad at drafting. They're not bad at, you know, finding good prospects and trades they're simply not they were not able to develop them correctly at the major league level they were not able to utilize their their talents properly and once they got a couple of hitting coaches who knew how to use the tools to which the pirates had you saw the talent rise from every single one that was struggling bell reynolds newman I mean, we could go on and on all day, and I think that's the same for the pitching. I mean, think the pit, the Pirates know how to find talent. Otherwise, those guys wouldn't leave, go somewhere else, and become all-stars. There's talent in this organization. It's just not being tapped into properly. I think they owe it to themselves to look externally and try to do the same thing they did with the hitting this last offseason and get better. Next up, Felipe Vasquez. What do you do with him? Well, Hurdle said, not Hurdle, uh, Huntington said, you know, they, he is, their path or their vision is that he will be pitching the next, you know, Pirates playoff game. You know, Vasquez will be pitching in it. I, the only way I trade him, I, I've really looked at it, the only path I can really see a trade is with the Dodgers, and I get, and I get Ruiz, and I get someone else, another high prospect, where I get my catcher who can frame pitches, 
and I get someone else, like a Gavin Locks. Just like this absolute, you'd be stupid not to take a tech deal. That's the only way I see Felipe Vasquez not being a part of 2020. Like a Tony Pena type deal, where you get like a... I'm looking for my Tony Pena deal with Felipe Vasquez, and I'm not trading Derek Cole for Muscove and Moran. I'm trading for high. I'm buying high. I'm not buying, you know, major league ready guys. I'm buying... Let's go. These are the most talented players in the farm system, and now they are mine. All right, uh, Starling Marte. What do you do with him? I I only, again, I think it's a similar situation. I need a King's Ransom to trade him. Two years left on the contract. I maybe hear some offers during uh, the winter meetings, but I don't think Reynolds is an everyday center fielder. I don't think Jason Martin is an everyday center fielder, so... Yeah, I, I need someone to play center field, and I think he still has, you know, a couple, at least one more three-war season in him after 2019 and 2020. And if you really are trying to compete in 2020, a three-war center field will help you do that. All right. Um, Dario Agrizal, what do you do with this guy? I, I, I kind of like him in this role, and it's kind of a thankless role where he's going to be just the next guy up in AAA, I think. I mean, he's pitched well, and if there comes a situation where I need a spot start in 2020, Dario, he's on speed dial. But I don't think you could give him a bullpen job, especially with Santana and Cole coming back next year. And he's he's looked real good so far, but you can't give him a starting job, especially over Mitch Keller next year. who He's pitched better than Keller, but Keller has a pedigree. That's, that was my next name, Mitch Keller. What do you do with him? He's my number five starter. Next season? Plain and simple. It's his job to lose. What about this year? Does Mitch Keller pitch again in the majors this year? In September. Okay. If he's really out of it, I'd like to keep him in the rotation. Maybe go to a six-man rotation, which if J-Mo's back, that would probably do him some good, too. You know, just extra time in between starts. Uh, why are you bringing J-Mo back this year at this point? Honestly, I- Rest. Rest, rest, rest. Put that elbow on a freaking pillow and just make sure you don't get fat, JMO. We need you next year. Yeah, we're not going to get Thor, JMO. Yeah, all right. Uh, we'll just pair these two up. Kebrian Hayes and Kevin Kramer, what are you doing with them this year and next year? Uh, Kebrian hasn't been hitting that hot, I'll be honest. I mean, the glove's still there, the the fielding's still there. It's an, it's going to be an interesting situation with him. Where do the Pirates bring him up in September to whet his appetite, get him a taste in the majors in the same way that they did Kevin Newman, and you know, go into twenty twenty being like, all right, you're you might be competing with Moran, but you know, this is basically your job. Maybe competing with Moran is not even fair because you know he has a higher ceiling compared to Newman. Or do you hold off and try to do what they effectively did with Brian Reynolds and wait until mid-April to bring him up so that's like a year of free control on top? I, I would bring him up in September. I, I think he's I think he's earned. I want to build for 2020, and I really don't care about you know playing the service time game for just a, a couple more weeks. You could get a whole extra year. It's like, no, no, just let's win now. Kevin Kramer is Kevin, Kevin Kramer. He'll be up in September. I'll give him a little playing time then. See what happens. Jung Ho Gung, what do you do with him? Gone. Gone. I'm going to see if 
anyone's interested in him in the deadline because he has hit well since coming off the I.L. Maybe someone will buy low. Uh, Cleveland, I know, is struggling, you know, against left-handed pitching. Dude, I've heard I've heard people, multiple people here, rave about how well Jordan Luplo is hitting left-handed pitching. I, I wanted to be like, you guys will never believe what this guy named Melky Cabrera is doing right now. <laughs> the guy who started for you last year. I was like, if you think this Jordan Luplo guy is good, let me tell you about your old pal Melky. Like, holy cow, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah. is playing better than Melky, though. But, yeah. And maybe... Overall? Overall, yeah. Mm-mm. Yes. Mm-mm. Yes. Yes. I'm agree to disagree. Not in wholesomeness. Melky's still got him beat there, but... What? Not in wholesomeness. No. Mel- Jordan Lupo is not that good. We're not going down this road again. It's not 2018. We are going down this, are going down this road again. That's it. That's all I got. All right. Then let's take a break. All right, let's take a break. Coming up next is segments. All right, Alex, it's time for our favorite part of the show, segments, which is, of course is brought to you by Slice on Broadway. With locations in Carnegie, Beachview, the East End, and of course our favorite at PNC Park, the Slice on or Slice on Broadway has it all. From their perfect pizza, spectacular salads, or super delicious subs, everything they make is handmade in the best your money can buy. You want to know how I know this? Because they told me in person that they wouldn't be able to sleep if it wasn't. Be sure to check them out. And tell them the guys from the River Blast podcast sent you. Alex, I was at the game on Saturday. You won. You didn't come say hello to me. You were with your dad. I, I, I didn't know. Yo, you know honestly, dude, we stayed for four innings. It was 100 degrees. We had, yeah, we had standing room tickets. We went to the Crow's Nest uh, and sat at that bar for three innings. And then we went to the Hall of Fame Club and had a drink there for an inning. And then he looked at me and goes, hey. I don't know about you, but it's really hot. We don't have a seat. It's packed. Uh, it's about to rain. I, I I don't need to be here for this. And I was like, he's like, I don't want to take you away from the game early, though. I was like, hey, newsflash. I've been to a lot of games this year. I'm not going to cry if we have to leave early. It's your birthday. Let's do what you want. So we just went. We left. We went to, like, Bar Louie. And then we went to the casino and watched the end of the game. Wise decision. But yeah, I didn't get to meet up with you. But anyway, when I went with my dad, we went in through the entrance to Slice on Broadway. And he was thoroughly impressed with uh, the clout that I have in that joint. Because that those are our guys. I mean, especially me. Like, I know they sponsor both of us. But, you know, this is. I worked hard on this sale. Uh, I have a good relationship with the people there. They were they were part of the people that I, I I'm gonna miss most on that on the Pirates beat and man I love going to that place I I, I can't say enough about them enough about them though <laughs> buy sell trade I'm going first I'm buying the conspiracy theory that Starling Marte is playing to get traded right now he is he heard his name. In the rumor mill, 
He's looking at his career, and he's saying, I'm 31. I've made probably, like, I'm not going to get a deal that really pays me anymore. You know, like, my financial thing is, like, kind of climaxed already. I want to win a championship. So he is bawling out right now in hopes that someone will come rescue him from the North Shore. That is my buy. My sell are these bullshit positive narratives that the team and that the broadcasters are trying to force on us during this absolute time of misery. Just these these fake positive stats, this and that. Like I, I, I I'm all for like PR. I get the I get the necessity of it, but like know when to just shut up. And that's kind of what like the Pirates need to do right now as an organization. You're not playing well. Things are falling apart. There's not one really positive aspect to your organization in the last two weeks. There just hasn't been. So stop trying to sell people on an idea that doesn't exist. That's myself. By trade, different player. But I'd like to see him traded. And this is this is controversial for me because I've always been a fan of this guy for whatever reason. Adam Frazier. Try to trade Adam Frazier. When I look around uh, at the middle infield prospects, I think both Tucker and Kramer are major league ready. I look at Brian Hayes, and I think, you know, defensively you'd probably want him over Moran at third base. But you could teach him how to play second base, or you could make Moran your second baseman. Again, you're giving up a lot defensively there, but if he's going to be a close to 300 hitter, he's going to, you know, have an OPS of like 810 and be a good, good, be a good bat in your lineup, then I'm all for, you know, playing him at second base. I just think Adam Frazier is the expandable guy in this group, and he's playing relatively well. So I think you try to, you try to trade him this deadline and take what you can get for him. Alex is just, we're doing this via Skype right now. Alex is in the press box. He's in one of the auxiliary booths that, I don't even know if writers are allowed to be in there. It was just, It's just for broadcast people, but he snuck in there because that's where we used to record, and they have automatic sensor lights, and they keep just shutting off on Alex. So in the middle of my points, he has to just get out of his chair and start waving his arms like a moron. And it really distracts me at times. Well, more awning. All right. Buy, sell, trade. What do you think of mine real quick? Uh, I, I don't buy the Marte one. Uh, I don't know if anyone would really give that much up for Frazier. Eh. What was the sell? These oh, oh, the positive narratives. Uh, yeah. I, speaking as the patron saint of coming up with stats... To you know, spin positive narratives or you know, just narratives in general. Different insights. I I'm having a hard time even finding those, and I haven't really been t- tweeting them because there's not much to tweet. Like I tweeted out like Marte has has the most home runs for an outfielder, you know, since the All Star break. And it's like, well, what else do I have besides Starling Marte and maybe some of the starting pitching? All right, so, your buy sell trade. I'm buying some ice cream. It's finally time. Is yeah, you think? Holy cow! I, what took you so long, man? I, I, I don't want to be premature. I it, it was very deliberate. I waited until the very end, 
And now it's time to buy some ice cream. No, you're that boxing referee. You're the boxing referee who should have called the fight, and now someone's dead. That's... Throw the damn towel! Yeah, for real. But yeah, so yeah, I'm buying some ice cream. I am selling training for 2020. And that goes at, at the deadline. And that goes for either A, trading, you know, buying a player like a controllable reliever who will be back around next year. And it also goes for trading for major league ready prospects. If I'm trading Corey Dickerson, I want another O'Neill Cruz type lottery ticket. Get me this 18, 19 year old skinny tall kid. And I'll fatten him up, and I'll make a good ball player out of him. That's kind of what I want from this. I gotta go for, I, I, I want high risk, high potential, high risk, high bust type prospects. I can agree with that. Lottery with even one of them, I end up in the black. If I go over four, then I go over four. The guys weren't going to be around next year anyway. Nothing really lost. I can agree with that. I think, yeah, I think the initiative now at the trade deadline should be make the Altoona curve deeper. Yeah, because there is nothing in Altoona. Yep. Like, I talked to I talked to poor Jared, and he's like, it's Altoona. I've already written everything that I'm going to write about, you know, who's here. So, yeah. And I am trading, or I should make this trade or require a different catcher for 2020. Elias Diaz is for the second time in three years negative one war as a hitter as a as a player that's not good i know last year was a good year whatever he was playing part times you know in a semi starter type role but this is the second time in three years where he's been well below replacement level. You can his he's the worst pitch framer in baseball. You cannot build a team around your pitching staff and then have the worst pitch framer. Have them throw to the worst pitch framer. You just can't do it. It's a it's not a winning combo. Pirates need to adjust in twenty twenty. Their catcher thing. I'm gonna be banging the Yasmani Grandal gong until the very end. Until he signs somewhere else a three or fifty million dollar deal. In in like on like March twenty fifth, he'll sign like a five year, you know, however long a hundred million dollar deal with like the freaking Colorado Rockies or some random ass team. Yeah. That's that's how the stupid sport works. Yeah. So yeah, that that's my buy sell trade. Any comments from the peanut gallery? I gave you my thoughts for the most part. Um, Alex, you just said you are tired of positive stats, but you said you also have a super stat. So let's hear your super stat of the day. I said it was positive. Oh, okay. Yeah, my – what do we call this one? It's been a while since we did it. It's like Alex's super – I literally just said it's Alex's super stat of the show. Okay. All right, sure. Uh, it, it's Kevin Newman based. Newman was thrown out uh, on Monday night. I've seen this one. This is a good one. And there have been six times this year he has been on second base, and the batter singled. Four times he stopped at third base. Twice he's been thrown out at home. He hasn't done success. It's not second base isn't in scoring position for him this year. It's not good, and I know it might be different scenarios where it's like, well, you know, Josh Bell's coming up. You don't want to, you know, run into an out at home whenever Bell's coming up. But 
That was a good throw yesterday, but he is a pie thrower. It's kind of position and everything, and you know the stars align, and that's why the Cardinals got that out at home. But you know, Goldschmidt was interviewed after the game. He was kind of laughing about. It. He's like, "Yeah, we didn't expect that from Jose." Whenever your own teammates are laughing, like, "Oh my God, you threw him out at home." There is a problem with the guy trying to go home. It's not. We're not even talking like Melky. This is a fast runner who is not getting the job done. My foil to this stat. How many of those six singles, being that Marte was the guy who hits two, two spots behind him, were infield hits? Maybe one or two tops. Do you know that for a fact? I, I, I don't know that for a fact. I'm just going in general. I'm going base. There are other times, too. He has a terrible extra base taken percentage. Right. No, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I was just saying. Yeah, this is just whenever it's the most egregious. This scenario. Yeah. So, it, 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 maybe there is a Starling Marte, you know, you got an infield single, you could only go to third on that, but there are plenty of times where it's like, he could have taken another base and he was either thrown out, or he didn't go for it, didn't look at his pitch, didn't look at the third base coach, just base running from a guy who's fast, you would expect him to be a good base runner. That's why I defend Marte a little bit, whenever people say, well, he's only a good base runner because he's fast. It's like, no, that being fast definitely helps, but there's another part to this equation all right so now we'll round off the show before we get to our bold predictions with a well said clint ready yes so i wasn't there i don't know what day he said this but hurdle was asked about handling the tough losses i think this was after monday night this was this was this uh this afternoon oh so he was asked on tuesday afternoon about the tough losses he said in my position I've got to find a way to turn it off. I've got kids. I've got a wife who deserves my time and attention. <laughs> to agonize and worry, it steals so much life and joy from you when you need to be plugged into something else. So if we've reached the there's bigger things than sports period of the season, that's, that's where we're at. That's, I mean, one, that's a blatant lie. Like Clint Hurdle... Think of, I mean, he works like what, like probably like seventy hours a week every week during baseball season. Like it's nonstop. To say that this stuff does not bother him is an absolute farce. There's no way he turns it off. Of course, he takes it home. This is just the, like, this is like when I joke around, like when someone, like a team that I like loses, I'll just be like, you know what, sports are. Not even that big of a deal. Like, there are dying kids in Africa right now. Like, starving children in Africa. That's what we should be putting our attention on. Not this stupid game with a ball, you know, where we're trying to score runs. Like, that Clint Hurdle just took a page out of, like, my troll playbook. Like, Clint, we know you're bothered by this, man. Just, like, (laughs) some things are bigger than sports. What a move by Clint. I love it. I don't believe a word he's saying, but I love it. I, I, I believe it for the most part. I mean, you need to check out at some point. At some points. He ain't checking out when they're winning. During that 11-game win streak, I don't think... He, I bet you he was having a good old time at home with Mrs. Hurdle, but like I bet you it was like fueled by that 11-game win streak. What? Okay. Whatever. This is, this is getting... This has no... We're not going to change either person's mind. We're not going to change anyone's mind. I do believe that you need to have a healthy, like, 
life away from work. Home and work life, yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. I have no problem with the quote, honestly, and I, I believe he's being genuine with it. I just think that, like, when you're str- – but, like, you do need to have that ability to separate, but, like, when you are struggling and, like, work is stressing you out, like, it does, t- it does trickle into your home life. It just does. I mean, I haven't been doing – I haven't literally been doing anything as long as Clone has been involved with baseball because I'm only 24 years old. But, like, I'm not an idiot. I know that that stuff bothers him. So what what he's saying is a cliche that I find funny but untrue. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's all we've got. Yes, Alex. Last podcast. Bold prediction, final thoughts. Uh, the Pirates do trade... Uh, Marte Vasquez, which I'm gonna bold enough. You're you're buffering. I need you to start all over again. Start all over again. You were buffing buffering. We were doing so well. Yeah, it's because you switch you switched to your phone for this last segment because you forgot your freaking charger on a device that you strictly brought to record this podcast on. The quality was great. Then you switched to your phone, and now you're buffering like no other. So start over. <sighs> What's All your right. bold prediction? Vasquez, Marte, not traded. We're going to hear their names a hundred times this week. Not traded. Good. I like that. Uh, final thoughts? I, did you give a bold prediction? No. My bold, my bold prediction is that um, I'll say no one is traded by the time we record next, which will be less than 24 hours before the end of the deadline. I was actually gonna. I may as well say this now. What do you think about recording the next episode Wednesday night instead? I'll have to check my calendar. I'll have to check my calendar because I, I'm. I, I think I'm down for that. Yeah, we might do that because that made more sense. You know, just do that as the trade deadline instead of. They gotta do something. I mean, honestly, by the way this team's going, like right now. Like, we're going to run out of storyline soon. So, like, it's going to become just, like, a baseball show. Here is my guess within the next couple of months. Um, so, I think, yeah, I think next week that's a good idea, Alex. Uh, next week we'll post it on Thursday. We'll just make Wednesday night our trade deadline reaction show. We'll try to keep it as local as possible. Uh, but we'll react to all the moves made. How's that sound? That sounds good to me. Those are our final thoughts. Uh, be sure to follow him on Twitter at Alex J. Stump. Follow me as well, Noah underscore Hiles 95. Follow us as a podcast on Twitter at River Blast Radio. Be sure to check out the ever so wonderful Slice on Broadway. And times are tough, times are bad, but it ain't 20 years bad yet. We'll find out if it comes to that. It'll have to be 19 more seasons. Until then... Just keep listening to our podcast because we'll be talking about it. We sign off as always saying, let's go Bucks.